You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. It is Monday, May 20th, 2019, and this is the MMA Hour, right here on MMAfighting.com. Thank you guys so much for joining me. My name is Luke Thomas. I am the host of this program. I really appreciate you guys being here today. Hope you had a great weekend. Fairly busy in the world of combat sports between WSS, Deontay Wilder's knockout, UFC Rochester, whole bunch of stuff that was happening. So um, a lot to talk about on today's show. We're going to be joined by three guests here. Number one, Uriah Faber will join us. He has a grappling match coming up with Nikki Ryan, little brother of Gordon Ryan, King Gordon Ryan, who we had here in studio. So we'll talk to him about that, plus what happened to Sage Northcutt over the weekend. That should be a lot of fun. That'll be 12.40. At 1 o'clock, right here in studio, Mr. Controversy himself, Ali Abdel Aziz, will be here. We'll catch up with him. Uh, that should be a long conversation. And then towards the end of the show, we're going to have the newest entrant in the UFC Hall of Fame. How about that? Rashad Evans will join us at around 1.40 p.m. or so. Plus, as always, guys, you're going to be my guest, not one, two different ways. We'll take your tweets for a round of tweets using the hashtag TheMMAHour. Thank you guys so much for sending them, as always. And, uh, of course, your calls as well, 844-866-2468. Danny and I will field those calls on the sound off. Yeah? Okay. They put a coffee 55 feet from me that I can't drink because they thought this one through. Danny made the coffee today. And Danny said he was going to threaten to put honey in it. Danny, I would rather you put what's in my daughter's diapers in my coffee than honey because I am not a crazy person. All right, let's do this, Danny. It's time for a round of tweets, is it not? Let's do it. If it's not one problem, it is the other. Uh, All right, put in the raw sugar. Yes, I can live with raw sugar. That's fine. All right, put the clock up. And uh, once that goes up and the first week goes up, we shall do this. Here we go. There it is, five minutes. Touching it. (laughs) Inappropriately. Okay, here we go. Hit it. Mm -mm. All right. What was your reaction to the Wilder KO? Expected that, but damn, that was a brutal right hand. I don't know how good... people. uh, Someone pushed back on me on this one a little bit. I don't know how good of an all-around boxer that Wilder is. But he is an all-time great puncher. And that punching ability makes up for a lot. Now, people are like, well, how, what's the difference between being a boxer and a puncher? A lot. Remember, boxing involves a, a number of tricks about setting up offense, movement, footwork, angles, um, sophistication of uh, setups. It's a lot more than just throwing a big, heavy punch. But throwing a big, heavy punch, obviously, can be hugely beneficial. When it comes to that, Wilder has some of the best power I think I have ever seen. He's easily the best power puncher of this generation and maybe the one before it as well. Um, he is he is a frightening man. A frightening man. Go ahead. Next. What did you think of uh, Michelle Pereira's uh, UFC debut? Who would make a good next opponent? Uh, the Jabberwockies? That guy is amazing. Do you see what he was doing up there? Dancing. First of all, he's super athletic, right? He looks like what Ido Portal would look like if he was a good MMA fighter. You know, and then also just a little bit off of his uh, rocker, which makes me like, the, and I which I don't say pejoratively, it's like, uh, I say it as a compliment. Yeah, I mean, I don't know, like Nico Price, I don't know. Um, I'm not sure exactly what would be good, but somebody kind of crazy like him. 
And by the way, isn't it kind of interesting? There are certain fighters like Johnny Walker and Michelle Pereira, and they're not identical, but these guys have a bit of sort of a wild, open, high amplitude kind of striking style who take risks and do things. It doesn't work for everybody, but for the right kind of fighter, it works a little bit. Next. Hey, Luke and Danny, great work. You two are underrated as a duo. I do say so myself. But do you think Felicia Spencer defeating uh, Megan, why would you tag her? Please stop tagging fighters. Could be good for the future of women's featherweight. She seemed to do well with the media and nerves. Yeah, she's real talented. She's very, very talented. Finding a legitimate talent um, who, you know, part of this, again, developmental process. The institutions play a role in that. But the ones who make it easy on the institutions are the ones who go a little bit further. Felicia Spencer still, I think, less than 10 fights into her career. Uh, looking the way that she's looking, she has conceivably pretty bright future. So we'll see. Next. Uh, who is a current top-level fighter that you think will make a top-level coach? Ooh, that's a good one. Probably Tyron Woodley, uh, I think, would be a really good one. I think he's really, really smart, has an understanding of the game. I don't know if he would want to be a coach, but I have a profound respect for his ability as an analyst, obviously as a fighter as well. So he'd be a good one. Um, you have to have a certain disposition to do it. But um, Cormier? Obviously, would be another good one. Yeah. Next. Do you think the UFC promotional machine has helped or hindered the development of fighters like Kevin Lee and Darren Till and put them under pressure to deliver highlight reel performances rather than grind out the basics? This is what I mean. Um, Kevin Lee is so talented, and Darren Lee, uh, Darren, Darren Lee, Darren Till, I believe, has a bright future. I think he needs to find the right weight class. I don't think that's welterweight for him. Um, but yeah, and look, part of it is these guys bring it on themselves, right? They encourage these fighters to say these grandiose things. I'm the best. I'm ready for Habib. I'm the, you know, Darren Till, you know, before the UFC Liverpool event, I'm the best guy in the world. They end up, they end up writing checks that, uh, ultimately, uh, you know, they can't cash in certain ways and maybe they feel that way, but I, I just feel like we incentivize a certain level of, we call it fight promotion and it is. But then it ends up becoming this thing where you can't, it's like Andy Kaufman. You can't quite tell what's real and what's not, who the joke is on. Um, it bleeds into reality rather than having a much more concerted effort at development. There are a lot of fighters that could go very far, uh, but for the fact that, you know, pride used to take gold medalists and just throw them to the wolves. We don't do that, thank goodness. Um, but yeah, again, you can, these guys who are in their 20s, it is stupid to write them off, y'all. Do not do it. At the same time, be cognizant of some of the challenges that they face. Next. Uh, how much harder is it to score a 10-8 round as a jiu-jitsu specialist in the eyes of the judges versus a wrestler or a striker? Don't know. Never had to judge. Couldn't tell you. Next. Uh, Pettis versus Masvidal jiu-jitsu match scheduled for June 15th. Isn't that risky? I mean, Pettis could get injured, and then that means no Pettis versus Diaz fight on 18 August. Possible, but seemingly unlikely. Both guys repped by the same people. Um, they're going to be going hard in the gym anyway. I, I, I'm not saying no, but I wouldn't see it as the huge twist. One more, one more, if we can. Uh, most of the major karate-style strikers, except Raymond Daniels, have been KO'd in the last year. Has the code been cracked on the point fighters? Uh, again, I think there's probably been some development made in that regard, whether the code has been cracked. All of them are kind of different. They're not necessarily all the same, but you see the best ones don't, like Douglas Lima, they don't really bite on the fakes and feints as much, and so they're able to just sort of do like 
a little bit of what Shogun did to Machida, just not really biting on anything and then just going to the leg kicks and sticking to your Muay Thai game. All right, what's the word on Mr. Favor? All right, so apparently we have him. Um, let's do this. So he has an interesting fight coming up uh, against, I say fight, I should say a grappling match. Polaris 10. This is going to be super interesting. I'm looking forward to this. Um, Uriah Faber taking on the, uh, the brother of the guy he recruited for the quintet thing. Going to be Nicky Ryan. We have him on Skype right now. Let's go to him. It is the one and only Uriah Faber. Hey, hey there he is. Hi, Uriah. What's up, brother? How are you? How you doing, man? I'm doing quite well. Hey, let me ask you about an Instagram pic you put up. Because you and I have something in common. All right? Uh-oh. No, no, it's good. It's good. It's all good. It's all good. Uh, you just had a baby girl, did you not? I did, man. Yes, sir. How old is she? She is now uh, about nine weeks. Okay, so mine is about four weeks, a little bit less, right? I had a baby girl as well. Oh, so, wow. so I saw the picture. Either your baby has the greatest head of hair I have ever seen or there's something you put, y'all put a wig on her. Is that her real hair? <laughs> yeah, that's her hair, man. She came out like that. So that is crazy. Uh, yeah, she's she came out with like a like a full head of hair, and it's been growing quickly. I mean, she was in, she she's all sorts of kind of advanced. It's been pretty funny. Like I have a video in there, like ten days old, and she's laying on my chest, and and I'm. I'm like, she's staring at the nipple. She starts smiling. <laughs> then I start laughing. And then she starts laughing. It's crazy, man. Well, congratulations, man. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, well, How are you enjoying it? Um, I'm still in the yeah. we haven't sleep trained her stage. <laughs> oh, no. You know, not to rub it in, but our, our baby's been sleeping through the night from the get-go. Wow. And, you know what? I hate yeah, you, Uriah. I, I don't know how this <laughs> well, I can't grow a beard, so there we have it, you know. Mm. Can't win all right. them all. Can't win them all. You win a lot of them, though, uh, but congratulations. What's your, baby's, what's your baby's name? Violetta. Oh, that's cool. And yours? That's awesome, man. Callie. Of course. E-A-L-I. <laughs> Callie Rain, R-A-Y-N-E. I could think of no better name for them, the California kid's child than to be that. Well, congratulations, Uriah. It's a beautiful time in my life, and I'm sure yours um, as well. Um, let's get to this. I want to talk about Polaris 10, May 25th in just a second. Uh, first things first, I know you saw your prototype, uh, your, your friend, I'm sure, as well, Sage's uh, one debut. I didn't like that fight for him. Um, what is your assessment of what, what went wrong there? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, First things first, I was there with him on that fight. And, uh, you know, 25 seconds in, really, he got stuck. Uh, Cosmo, who's, a, who's an amazing kickboxer and a big, strong guy, you know, came out and pressed the action right off the bat. Did like a, a couple stutter steps, like switch step fakes to kind of rally, uh, corral Sage in. Sage went one way, then the other way. First time in a ring and literally gets manhunted with a nastiest punch and crushes his whole his whole face. Basically splintered his chin. I mean splintered his cheek. 
uh, into 30 pieces and broke his orbital bone. Uh, he had eight different fractures and, and literally they had to, to, to pick the pieces of the, the, the bone fragments out 30, 30 different pieces out of his, uh, his face. So, um, a bunch went wrong 20, 23, 25 seconds in. We didn't really get to see much of a fight. Uh, Cosmo's seven time world champ. He's stage was fighting at 185 pounds. Um, under the impression that nobody cuts weight in one FC. Um, and they do hydration tests because of it, et cetera. Uh, and yeah, man, we didn't get to see much of a fight to be honest. Do you think Cosmo cut weight? He did look bigger. Um, I'm, I mean, I can't speculate necessarily. I know that I talked to a couple of the other guys that, uh, were cutting weight and I, I you know, Sage is, is such a faith-based guy and takes things as they're said. And of course everybody's cutting weight. I, I was trying to kind of wrap my head around the thing and, uh, you know, you have to, you have to do a hydration test and they weigh you in a couple days in a row. So it makes it really difficult. But, um, I talked to, to multiple guys there that were, were cutting weight and, um, it is what it is. So, I mean, I wasn't the, that wasn't the, the, the main, the main problem there. Cosmo is an incredible fighter, you know, seasoned Muay Thai kickboxer, seven and one as a, as a mixed martial artist. And, you know, just came across the came across the, the ring and, and landed a nasty punch and, uh, ended it for, for stage there. Sorry. I, I had an alarm. I was just sleeping. I just woke up. I know. It's, I, pre- I appreciate you getting up. 12.48 a.m., so. <laughs> All right. I, I appreciate you getting up to making this possible. So have you talked to Sage? He put the post up, had like, a, what, a nine-hour surgery? He seems to be always in good spirits, no matter the uh, the outcome, good or bad. Um, is he doing okay from what you know? Yeah, I, I saw him today. And I was there in the ambulance when he was, when he was headed to the hospital. Um, you know, for a guy that has an incredibly high pain tolerance, he was telling us, the pain he was in was was as you can imagine having your face smashed like that was was incredible. Um, stayed positive throughout it all. Uh, his, his surgery was supposed to be four four hours and ended up being nine hours, and he came out on you know delirious on whatever they give you to put you asleep for nine hours and was cracking some hilarious jokes per usual and. And um, he's on he's on the men, man. Which uh, you know, for anybody that that doubts the valor of, of being a mixed martial artist and and the danger of what we do, I mean, this is a, a lesson, absolutely. Now, you know, you're not his manager; you're only his friend. So I would just ask this, and we'll move on from the topic going forward for his next fight, um, especially after a bad injury like this. Do you think a more considered approach about it being in a cage, the right kind of opponent? I mean, he's still he's still in development development isn't he yeah yeah absolutely and um you know especially there's a lot of stuff going into this fight he'd, he'd had to pull out a couple different times on on dates it's been almost 11 months since he or 10 months since he'd actually had a fight um didn't get to see him fall through with practices 
uh, for, for a long time now because of some little injuries, et cetera. And in retrospect, uh, there are some warning signs of maybe not to take this fight. And like you said, you know, it's not like you, you go into a fight thinking you're going to get your face smashed, but, um, against, against some, some, some advice, the fight was taken, uh, not that we don't believe in Sage, absolutely, but in the in the future, I'd like to see him at 170 pounds, and I'd like to see him at least be able to to fall through with an entire camp, or at least like you know more more than he was able to. And and again, that's not the reason why he lost the fight. He fought a great a great competitor, and it's his first time in a ring, and and you know kind of a freak of a thing happened with his face shattering like that. I feel like. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, in the, in the future, um, maybe, you know, coaches having the final say on, on whether or not a guy goes out there is, is a good idea. And, and I think, you know, talking to his father who, who loves Sage very much and believes in him, um, you know, hard lesson learned for all of us. Now let's talk about you here very quickly. If we can, you had indicated some interest recently that the UFC, they're going back to your hometown, Sacramento, I believe in July, July 13th, something like that. I don't have the date right in front of me. And that this would be something you'd be interested in participating in. Like, give me a sense of reality here. How, how serious is this possibility? Uh, it's very serious. You know, no one really gets to see the behind the scenes of, of, what goes on when, when events are putting together or, or being put together or anything like that. And throughout my time being retired, I've been offered fights on, on a couple different occasions, um, and learn my lesson. If I'm starting to get tempted or thinking about it just to get myself in good shape. And, and I've always stayed in the gym, obviously being, being at, at the team and, and helping mentor the guys and, uh, training all year round, et cetera. So, I've probably have last you know, uh, of the last six six months given a little bit more consideration after um, being offered a couple of short notice fights that I'm like, man, that's kind of tempting. And you know, the reason I retired in the first place is just because I wanted to. Felt like it. I was, uh, you know, feeling like okay, if I'm thinking about it and and uh, maybe the time and um, and it's the same reason why I'm thinking about coming back out and. Uh, and taking a fight sounds like fun little fomo uh i know <laughs> at the age i uh i do really well against the guys still and and um you know if i'm if i'm gonna do it, it you don't want to wait longer you know i'm 39 i've just turned 40 which is which is crazy i kind of i kind of teased that once i did turn 40 i'd like to challenge myself kind of life hack and do some fights i got the new baby so um you know, th- some names have been thrown out there for for opponents, and it's and it's real possible. How, when would we know? Like, when would when would a date pass where we're like, yeah, this is not going to happen? Uh pretty soon. Okay, all right. You have uh, piqued my interest, Mister Faber. Uh, you know, I saw something. We're going to have Ali Abdelaziz here in studio. He had mentioned, I think, on a different radio show that, as you know, again, same show. Um, UFC's going to Sacramento. UFC wanted Cody on that card, and I think he had advised Cody to maybe wait a little bit longer. I actually like that advice. I wonder what you make of the idea. Like, what what would be the right circumstance for Cody to come back and get the best foot forward? Um. I think step one, just getting healthy. You know, it's been a kind of a big battle for Cody 
as of the last couple of years, staying healthy. And, um, you know, you can probably see by following him on, on social media, et cetera, that he hasn't necessarily, um, been a hundred percent or been in, in practices, et cetera. So, uh, step one is get yourself feeling a hundred percent and then make the decision that, you know, you're going to put in, put in the hours and be able to physically put in the hours to, to prep and get yourself where you need to be. And, and Cody being a young guy that's got all the talent in the world just needs to make those decisions himself and also gauge his body himself. So, um, yeah, absolutely. I think that's a, that's a good idea from what Cody's been telling me. Uh, it's, it's not a smart move at the moment. All right, so let's move to this uh, competition you have coming up, Polaris 10. This will be Saturday, May 25th. Here's how I know that you are officially an insane person, Uriah Faber, because you got Gordon Ryan to be part of the quintet team. He just ran the table on everybody. Then you agreed to go against his little brother. It's not like you don't know how good Nicky Ryan is. I'm guessing you took this bout because you know exactly how good he is. (laughs) Yeah, of course. Uh, You know, I'm a competitor. My favorite way to work out is jiu-jitsu. One of my favorite parts of mixed martial arts is jiu-jitsu, and and I'm a fan of it as well. And, um, you know, this is my third time competing since since I've been retired. And the first time was against uh, a a multi-time world world champion, Paulo Miao. I don't know if you were able to, to watch that match. It was on Chill Sonnen's show yep. out in Oregon. That was on my birthday, actually. Uh, and I think you guys may be seeing a theme of me challenging myself and doing fun things around my birthday. Uh, it's the way I, I celebrate, I guess. But um, I, 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 I had done that match against Paulo Miao, and then I had another one in Quintet against Sakuraba, who is uh, my favorite fighter uh, of all time. You know, he's about 200 pounds and I was 155 at that point. And this, this last one, I actually got to hang out with the, with, uh, Gordon and, and Nikki and spend some time getting to know them and have a lot of respect for, for their dedication and commitment to what their, their passions are, you know, intelligence and dedication and, and full on, uh, you know, devotion to what their passions are. And, and so I'm like, you know what? Uh, the challenge is, is, is something that they'd offered me prior. And I said, no, like however long ago, cause I was busy and, and just kind of sounded weird. Man, I didn't really know the guys or anything else. Once I got a chance to roll with them in Las Vegas and learn a little bit about the story and, and what this, this Nikki is trying to put together is as a young phenom who's dedicated his life to jujitsu. I said, absolutely. And I might as well do it now. The longer I wait, the worse it'll be for me. And, and uh, you know, it's funny. They, they've done a little buildup for this Polaris thing, and I don't lift weights. They're like, oh, yeah, I want to get some video of you lifting weights. And they do a little promo where I'm, like, doing curls. I don't – I mean, I, I literally – you know, my, my favorite way to work out is, is again, you know, doing jujitsu and whatnot. And uh, – and – They've got him rolling jujitsu, like I'm lifting weights and he's doing jujitsu. But we won't get it twisted. I I love to roll jits and and I'm looking forward to the challenge and and I'm looking forward to uh, helping showcase one of the coolest youngest talents out there. All right. So tell me this in making this uh, setup as um, 
competitive. Obviously, you're a decorated MMA fighter. He's a rising phenom in jiu-jitsu. You have a little bit of commonality there. What advantages do you think you hold over him? Tell me why I should uh, have faith in your abilities to win. Well, originally, I was thinking I might be a little bit bigger than him, but then they called me and asked me uh, if I'd go up to 155s instead of 45s because apparently he's hit a growth spurt of about 20 pounds since the last time uh, uh, we saw each other in, in quintet. So I think he's a little bigger than I am now. Um, the other thing is he's been on home stay since he's 13 or so, uh, just training jiu-jitsu full-time. Um, and that's, you know, 13, and I think he's 17, almost 18 now. So that's, you know, four years, maybe almost coming up on five years of, of – uh, a pure dedication to jujitsu. Um, for me, I've been a dedicated athlete for since I was approximately, uh, 13 years old myself, of course in wrestling while going to school, I wasn't on home studies doing it full time or anything. I wrestled in college division one. I was, I was top 12 in the nation division one wrestling. Um, uh, second in the nation, for, for freestyle, uh, university nationals. And then for 16 years, almost his entire age, starting from about 2003, uh, I guess it's not quite 16 years yet, but, um, getting there, I've been training jujitsu alongside boxing, kickboxing, everything else. And I'm pretty good at it. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, he, he's got a dedicated, committed, which is a very powerful thing, couple of years to uh, to just be completely enthralled. He's got a great coach and Coach Donaher and, and all the guys out in, in New York City. Uh, but at the end of the day, we're both competitors. He's a little bit bigger than I am. I'm a little bit older, a little bit more experienced. I would say I'm probably a little stronger than he is being a, a full-grown man. Um and uh, we both know the game of jiu-jitsu really well. And so my money's on me. I'm sure his money's on him. And, and uh, the jiu-jitsu odds are probably in his favor. The uh, common sense odds are, are not common sense. The, the human nature odds are maybe in my favor. And, um, you know, the, the dedication portion I would say he's a more dedicated jiu-jitsu player than I am at the moment. But over the years, I think I've, I've, I've stacked some years of, of, of jiu-jitsu experience in my favor. So it's going to be a good one, man. We actually rolled together in, 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 uh, in Las Vegas for a little bit. You know, obviously not in a competitive like situation like we are now. But um, I'm looking forward to the challenge. It's my favorite way to work out. It's It's – it's kind of like a game of chess, uh, but with your body, as mixed martial arts is. And and uh, I'm, I'm excited for, for the world to, to realize there's a kid out there that has decided he wants to get great at something and and is, has dedicated his life to it and, and uh, is getting some 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 pub out of, out of, out of this deal. And probably a good, a good little payday, too. I'm sure he's getting paid pretty well. Well, I hope you both get paid well. I cannot wait to see it. May 25th, Polaris 10. It's at the Pool Lighthouse. For more information, of course, you can go to UFCFightPass.com. It will be 
on UFC Fight Pass. Uriah Faber in the main event takes on Nikki Ryan. Of course, you got Craig Jones on this card. Uh, Danaher, uh, uh, Phenom as well. Nick Rodriguez is on this. Richie Martinez out of 10th Planet. Cal Uno. A whole bunch of donks are on this one. Uh, Uriah, I hope to see maybe you in July when you compete. If not, you are still an ageless wonder. Thank you for making time for us here today on the show. All right, brother. Thank you, man. And uh, congrats on the success of the show and, and of course, the new baby. Tell me, tell me again the baby's name and, and how do you spell it? It's like Violet, just it's the Latin version. My wife's Latin, so it's Violetta. Man, that's awesome. Congratulations. I'm going to go check you out. I'm going to go stock your, uh, your photos and, and, and check out the new edition, man. Congrats. And I hope same you get some sleep. Yeah, I'm working on it. The same to you, Uriah. Thank you so much. <laughs> there Thanks, he goes. brother. Looking forward to Saturday. That should be a lot of fun. All right, let's go to our next guest. I believe he is in the studio. Is he ready, Danny Segura? Yes, no? All right, here he comes. This should be a lot of fun, I hope. Let me move this backpack. There we are. Bringing him in. I, is that, what, what, do my eyes deceive me? Do my eyes deceive me? What's up, brother? Look at this guy. Up, How are you? Oh, brother. Have a seat. I didn't think I'd see you. Man, that's a Lebanese flag. Wow. Yeah, it is. <laughs> I got it, uh, you know where I got that? I got that in uh, Biblos. What about your boy Khaled Taha? Who? Khaled Taha. He's from Lebanon. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. But isn't he, like, he's based out of Germany, though, right? No, but he, no he's Lebanese. But he's Le he has a Lebanese flag, but I'm saying, doesn't he live? No, his whole his family in Lebanon. He's in Beirut? He lives, both. Okay. So my mom was from Lebanon. I'd never yeah. been there. Yeah. I'd been all over the world. I'd never been there. I've been to Jordan. I've been to Israel. I've been to a bunch of places, although uh -huh. before the war, so I don't have the thing on my passport. But uh -huh. I went to Byblos, and uh, I just wanted a flag. It was like a dollar. So I decided, you know, I'm going to bring it. I'm going to put one here. I have one in my home studio, too. That's cool. Yeah. Lebanon is a nice country, man. Yeah, you've been there? Uh, I did. I did. Yeah? When I was younger, yeah. It's a little different than the rest of the Arab world. It's, it's like, it's very... Egypt is, is open, very open now, too. See, I went to Egypt in the 80s. I have no idea what it's like today. Nah, it's different. Yeah? Different, yeah. And I had gone to, uh, so I'd been to this one. I'd been to Jordan. Jordan was fine. Israel's obviously totally different. But this one, I got to tell you, when was the last time you were in Beirut? No, I was, I was like 15. Okay. Uh -huh. So here's what happened. Like, they traded like a New Orleans vibe for like a Miami vibe. Yes. Because all the oil money came in from the Gulf shakes. For sure. So it's like Rolex here, Ferrari there, yeah. but it's lost a little bit of its like melting pot. You know what I mean? For sure, for yeah. sure. You're very quiet. Why are you so quiet? Uh, I'm just kind of, you know, <laughs> feeling, feeling the studio. Yes. Well, you've been here before. It's not your yeah, first time. Yeah, I've been here before, yeah. Thank you for having me. Yeah, of course. Uh, yeah. So what do you, but first of all, you're here for what, PFL? I'm here for PFL. We're going to talk about PFL a little bit later. Looking forward to that. Yeah. Um, let me start with a couple of uh, questions actually about you. Mm -hmm. I'm just sort of thinking this in my head. Mm-hmm. Fair to say you're the most powerful manager in MMA? Uh, man, I'm a white belt every day. Every day I wake up in the morning, I'm a white belt. Uh, you will never see me. I'm the best manager on this. Because a lot of people, you see a lot of managers out there, they say I'm the best, I'm the best. But you can be on top today, you can be on bottom tomorrow. And I just, uh, to stay on top, every day in the morning you have to wake up. You know, I'm a white belt. Yeah. I might get to work. And maybe by the end of the day I'll become a black belt. But... <laughs> In the morning, I'm a white belt again. And to be clear, this is one thing, I think there's a lot of things people say about you that might be true, some things they say that are not true. One thing that folks should understand is your clients are fiercely loyal to you, which I know from personal experience yes. and having conversations about them. Mm. How many clients do you have? Uh, overall? Uh, yeah, yeah, I guess, yeah. Over, probably like uh, over 100, 100, over 110. Around. I thought it was like 200. 
I have development program, but like I don't really count him. Like guys, young guys coming up, like in Russia or different countries. Oh, I see. Okay, it's he, he can you know cl- close to that, not two hundred, but close to that. Like but guys, UFC, but right? guys in Bellator, BFL, or uh, or, or uh, the UFC, probably around one hundred and ten. And um, do you manage all of them, or they're through dominance? No, I, I, I am. I'm in charge of everything. I have. But you know, I have people I empower. Like, like I have a guy named Rizvan. Like he, he, like I brought him under. I'm, he handled all the Russian guys, and he's like my brother too. Great guy. I have, uh, you know, Ronnie Mark. He worked with me. Ronnie Marks. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah. He's still a fighter, but he still was a lot of Brazilian guys. I have, uh, you know, uh, my sister and La Yelda. I have a girl named Bree. I have Dan Ige. You know, he's a UFC fighter. He's my right hand guy. Dan's amazing. Yep. I got Puna. Who's fighting the main event on the Contender Series, June 19? That's uh, him. Yeah, that's his him. Uh, I, didn't, I didn't connect the dots. Okay. Uh, you know, listen. I, I, honestly, everybody work with me or train. That, that everybody they did jujitsu or they fought or they fighting. They have something to do with martial arts because I think is is better. All right, fair yeah. enough. Let me ask you a question about your worldview here. Mm-hmm. I'm just trying to figure this out. What is because your clients? I look around. I'm like, main event, title fight, main event, title fight, or you know, whatever. What is the best position for a manager to take to get your clients the best fights? Uh, in your, know, like, what's your judgment about that? Yeah, like, listen, if you look at the, the, the way, you know, the way everything right now, you know, you have 125, Henry, he's the champ. Uh, I, I, I represent, and he got the 135, uh, Marlin fighting Henry for the 135 belt, right? Mm-hmm. This is two belts, right? 145, Frankie is fighting for the belt. 155, Khabib is the champion. Yep. Osman, uh, 170 is the champion. And I, you know, uh, middleweight, you know, I have oh, Kelvin. It was almost Kelvin, yeah. Kelvin, you know, he just, he's a winner. Like, he's, he can't he's lose. He's still young, he's still he young. Is, yeah, he can. Uh, and this is a guy, he should fight at 170, and he's fighting at middleweight. You know, people, Kelvin is not this right. big, you know, right, but right. he want to fight. And I believe Corey Anderson, he will give John Jones run for his money. If anybody, I know, I said, me a little, I, I I said that about I'm a Henry. Skeptical about when it. I said about Henry gonna beat uh, Henry uh, Demetrius Johnson, people think I was crazy. When I said Osman is gonna beat Tarun Woodley, people thought I was crazy. I was just talking, trying to promote. But I know how good Corey got and how good he is. You know, he's very methodical. You don't see out there Corey like gonna knocking people out, submitting people. But he's a very smart fighter. But John Jones is the greatest of all the time, of course. You know, yep. he's yep. one of the greatest. Uh, and the way to kind of. You have to, I communicate with coaches a lot. You know, I train with a lot of these guys too. I know how good they are. I understand matchups. And listen, at the end of the day, when you're on certain level, if you're in the top five, you should be fighting everybody. It doesn't matter if you're in the top 10 or top five, top five. No, but I guess what I'm asking is like, how do you, what's the best way to negotiate to get your fighters into these like sweet spots? Listen, People think is it just oh, having a good relationship with the UFC? Like, what's what's the... No, having a good relationship with the UFC, with Bellator, with BFL, like at the end of the day too, but I can have the best relationship ever, right? But these guys have to deliver. It's not only me. Like, it's not, oh, I'm super manager. I'm getting guys to start a fight. You know, I represent some of the best fighters in the world. They put themselves in a position to get a title shot, right? And literally, it was Frank's situation, right? Everybody was campaigning. Campaigning against Frankie and this and this. Alex Varnowski uh, is an amazing fighter, great kid, you know, like just uh, you can't say anything bad about him. But listen, Frankie been in this company for 10 years. He got passed over so many times. He got a lot of title shot. Uh, he put, you know, his title shot on, uh, on the line with Ortega. 
And that was part of the deal. He said, you know what, guys? I'm gonna go ahead and uh, I'm gonna fight. I need to fight. And he saved the main event. Ortega was in the same position to fight Jeremy Stevens for, a, for an interim belt. He turned it down, right? And I very much, all I have to say, you know, I, I spoke to, you know, to the to UFC press, Dana and Sean and Hunter, all these guys. I said, guys, listen, this is the deal. Frankie went out there and got a win. He's been such a great guy. Uh, and, uh, and he deserved his title shot. Here's the thing, though. I just couldn't disagree. I'm oh, sorry. Couldn't agree with that more. I agree yeah, with it. Correct. I just can't buy the idea that he got that without you having a relationship with them. Because here's the thing. I went to the office. Yes, I did. Frankie has, <laughs> look, here's the truth. And this is what I said. The win for Alex over Aldo is, it's a big deal. Because that's the one thing that Frankie doesn't have. But I also said on the show, or MMA beat, whatever, that um, I do like Frankie's win over Chad more than Alex's win over Chad. Because it was 2015. He iced him quickly. Correct. Right? But here's the thing. It's like this whole thing like, oh, he did a solid for the company. I don't, I don't buy that. I don't, but, but, I, yes, but, he, yes, he did. Yeah. I don't buy that that's logic. What I buy is that you have a powerful relationship with them that pays dividends in the end. But I, but I don't, I can't take this credit. You I can't just, make them, I understand. I, I, but I, but I, I was just, like, like Dana White is, an, is like a very emotional guy. He liked Frankie a lot. And that was a big factor of this. But he understand, he looked at Frankie's career, what he has done, right? And I know this business, how good you done for me lately. This is the type of business we're in. But I really went, and, and everybody thought I was going to talk about Khabib, this, this. I said, listen, I'm not here to talk about nothing else. Just Frankie. I'm only about fucking Frankie. Yeah. And, and, and I talk, and I very much say, you know what? And I made my case, and I said, for the first time, you're right. We, we end. And I said, thank you. you it's, know? A, it's a bigger fight, too. Like, in the end, it's a bigger listen, fight. Listen, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a bigger fight. I, I think, listen, also timing. You know, the UFC talking about going to Australia, right? Will you save this fight card for Australia? You have uh, Max or Frankie fighting Alex. It's, it's timing, too. Like, you know, okay. it's, it's in, in a business standpoint, it's better for the UFC to have Alex fight later if they're still going to have the Australia card, right? Because yeah. if they have Arasina versus Whitaker, Frankie versus Al- Alex or Max versus Alex, the winner... In a business way, it worked out for this way. Well, you, know, well, you know what? Everybody complaining out there how good of a guy Frankie Edgar is. How, ma- how and, many? And by the way, 37 years old. 37 like, years old. Yes, yeah, cor- correct. And, and in a way, yes. I, I did put everything on the line for him, and I will do it every day. Which is, which is, your, I, which is your role. But here, let me ask you this question because I was thinking about this. Do you support the, the class action lawsuit by the fighters against the UFC. And here's why I would ask, because I don't know that I agree with everything that those guys are claiming, but I don't see how we can get a more equitable share without some kind of mechanism, whether it's legislation or the lawsuit. It would just be weird for a manager as powerful as you, and I acknowledge you are powerful, to not be in favor of that. Uh, honestly, just honestly, got the truth. I don't know what the lawsuit is about because there's so many lawsuits going on. Like one of the things, the big, the cl- you submitted a statement for them though. Yeah, like, yeah, I did. I have I, it here. Yeah, I, I did because I, but but I asked that. I for a lot of the stuff. It's not. It's not the only me submitted. I think other people submitted too. But yeah, yeah. I asked yeah, many you're times. Ali. I, here's Ali. Here's everybody. Yeah, else. but I, I, I many times I ask a lot of my fighters who pick up the phone and said, hey. I live in Brazil. I live wherever. I, I you know, people they don't want their family members know, right? So let, 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 me, let me set the stage for the audience here. The, the claim and the, the statement that you had made was that you don't like when the salaries get publicly disclosed because it causes problems for the fighter. I gotta say, I don't understand that, Ali. I, for me, as a manager, I like it to show 
my guy's making the most money, How right? else do the fighters get more pay if right. it's not public and they can't negotiate? This is the deal, okay. For me as a manager, I want all my fighters, their money, some of them, you can see all their money, right? And by the way, no one's confused, like Habib's fighting McGregor, yeah. like everybody knows he's gonna get paid. He got paid, he, he got paid. Uh, you know, like some of my fighters, like Fabricio, now Osman coming now, to me, he said, I don't wanna see, nobody seeing my money. Now I have to go back to the UFC, he said, hey, I don't want, you know, but that might say yes, that might say no, but a lot of time I pushed for, but for me as a manager, I want all the fighter pay to be disclosed, right? But but I work for these fighters. And if a fighter come to me like Verdum, right? He said, I don't want nobody to see how much I'm making, right? Yeah. You know, Frank in the same situation, he said, I don't want nobody else to see how much I'm making. Yeah, and but that's when you step in and you say, right, but that's a bad idea because no one's going to get paid more until everybody knows what everyone's going to get paid. But listen, at the end of the day, case that's, by that's case. Like, that's literally how it's done. But but I manage, you have a point, and I agree with you, but I work for this one people. A lot of managers, manage, they want to manage everybody at the same time. It's not. I manage everybody's career individually, and I work for them. They Like I said, they are my master, and I'm, I work for them. Yeah. So, but, right? then, but then why submit the statement on behalf of the UFC? Because I because they, they come to me and said, listen, you ask us at least 10 times. <laughs> they, I did. Yeah. You know, I, I can say, I think, Verdun, Frankie, uh, Rashad, like so, I saw a couple guys. Did asked, you manage Rashad? Yes, of course. Okay, I'm um, out of the loop, sorry. Yeah, but in a way, but this is something I asked for, and they asked for a statement, and I'm gonna keep continue asking for it, because everybody gonna be like, oh, I shouldn't do that. If my yeah, but it's just but, here's the thing. I know you're, look, your clients get the, they get the good, they get the good fights. You got um, Marlon and uh, Henry competing, right? Yeah, but, but, but here's the, the thing, it's like, I don't understand how the most powerful manager in the game is taking the UFC's position. I'm not. That, but, but that's what the statement says. No but, no, but the whole thing is, I asked him for that. I understand where you're coming from. Listen, I asked him to give me that. They didn't come to me and said, can we, give, can we hide the money? I asked him, the fighter do not want to be the money disclosed. I'm telling you, I'm trying to do Osman now, they tell me no. We can't, we can't do it anymore. That might keep, you know, I'll probably try to get it done, to be honest with you. Yeah. This is what Osman want, right? Because Osman said, man, I'm gonna go back to Africa. I don't want nobody how much I'm making, you know? And it's up to him. It's his business. Remember, this guy's private contractor. I understand. Right? How do they do it in other sports, though, where they have these huge amounts of money and everybody the Other knows. sports have union, have fighter association, have have so many different things we don't have. Listen, at the end of the day, I think- Are you for a fighter's union? I, I'm, I'm, I'm in for a fighter association. What's the difference? Like the MMAFA? I don't know too much about the thing. I think, honestly, the fighter association is great because fighter will have benefits. Like union is like guys making 10 and 10, right? Coming to the UFC, yeah. how are you gonna take 30% uh, of that person what they're gonna go home right, with? Right, right. I want fighter association, a guy who represent everybody, represent managers, protect manager, protect fighters. Yeah, I think the sport, we going towards this way have to happen. What do you think about one and their agent certification program? Are you in favor of that or no? Different managers I've spoken to are kind of like, they like a little column A, a little column B, where are you? Chatri's my friend, I like Chatri. Like, he's he's a Hanzo Gracie guy, right? Uh, he remember, in the thing, he says exceptions, right? Like, no way, me or other manager, we've managed some of the best fighters in the world, right? If I have a free agent tomorrow, who's a UFC world champion, and I go to him, said, hey, Chatri, I got this guy, I'm gonna be one of the exceptions. Or... Yeah, but like... <laughs> You can't, you can't be like, you can't be like, I'm going to, 
to Asia, I live for one year, and after that, I'm gonna give you my free Asian. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I didn't understand right. why they were like, they made the Asian but residency in a way, a too, one of the things I don't understand too, like, it's a little bit of a conflict. Like, and we all had conflict in the past, me too, but how you have your own management company, you know, and you have <laughs> a promotion. Oh, I that's think, right, because they established that too. That's right. No, mm-hmm. they, they have it, but I don't understand. Honestly, I have so much stuff on my plate. I know Chatri is a really good guy. And I know he always do the right things. I know him personal, on a personal level, right? Yeah. But I just don't understand. He said it was, ex- was exceptions, and I think he let the door open for exception. And listen. I would just, I would just rather see. And I know it's difficult because if you get the exception, what's your incentive? I would just rather see some more solidarity among the managers, being like, it's just not fair as a blanket rule to do this, rather than, oh, I got a carve out, so now we're good. But you exclude, like, listen, the top managers in the world, they're not in Asia. Exactly. <laughs> this is my point. They are in the U.S., yeah. right? They're in the U.S. And if you don't want to work with me, you don't want to work with like other guys. You you screwed because who's who are you gonna sign? No, and I asked this too of the Kawa brothers. I was like, "Are you guys in favor of this?" And they said the same thing. It's like I think we got an exception. It's like okay, that's good it's, because the, no one should be prevented from working with them. I just don't like the managers. Never be like, "Oh, this is bad for managers." They just go, "Oh, it's not. It's not bad for me." To be honest with you, like if you're a promotion, you want to exclude yourself out, you can go ahead. Yeah. I got BFL. It's true. Uh, my first stop is BFL for everybody. It just I'll make it clear. If I was a fighter, I have a fighter. I'm gonna make a stop. My first stop, I want to make a million dollars a fight. Uh, and so from five months, I'll make a million dollars. My, if I was a fighter, I'll be fighting for BFL. So let's talk about PFL for a second. Um, so I don't know if you know who this gentleman is. I do not know him personally. There's a journalist by the name of, uh, I want to make sure I get the name right. Oh, God, I f- fucked this up. Sorry. Um, he did some numbers on um, PFL. And what they found was that you have a lot of guys in PFL, right? I, bro, I, I have. You have so many guys in but, PFL. But check this out. Hold on, so, let me just read these numbers out to you. So Dominance MMA Management managed to secure spots in the PFL roster for 28 fighters through 2018. This is last season. Total number of fighters that appeared through the entirety of the season totaled 92, meaning that fighters represented by Mr. Abdelaziz accounted for 30.4% of the roster. This goes on. That means that they were involved in 42 of 76 matches, equating to 55.2% of total bouts and 58.9% of total bouts in the playoffs. And here we go. The final on New Year's Eve saw the number yet again spiked to 71.4% of the fighters were repped by you. You got a good thing going with PFL, huh? I love PFL, but guess what? I manage almost 70 guys in the UFC, three times as much as any other manager. Why nobody talking about it? <laughs> because I think, look, here's, here's the thing, because you used to work World Series of Fighting, and you were matchmaker, right, for time, yes. and manager. Yeah. Commission made you split it off, which you did. They didn't make me. They, they, I, I made a choice. Okay, so you split I, it, I which you split it, off. And it was the right thing to do, and it was the best decision I ever made. So I just think folks are wondering, like, are we still, are we in the same arrangement without um, just a different name? This is, this is the deal, right? I, I managed some of the best fighters in the world, and you just said it earlier, right? If you're a fighter out there, and you want to be well represented, I don't call guys to manage. I stopped doing this a while back. They I, call you now, right? I, I just, I, I would prefer to be invited to the party and I get invited, right? And you got to got a lot of guys out there. And one of the things too is PFL, this is what managers do, right? And it's okay. They'll go to the UFC, the UFC say no. They go to Bellator, Bellator say no. And they make the third stop, PFL. Rather than going PFL first? What, I'm, what I do normally, all my prospects, the new ones, I'll ask him two questions. Do you want to make a million dollars 
or you want more 12 followers yeah. or Instagram followers. Also, um, you get a lot of activity in PFL. Yes. It's, it's no politics. You get in two fights. You get in a playoffs. Like, in a way, like, that I'm favoring my guys matching up? No, it's a tournament. It's a format. Like, nobody can control it. Yeah, but right? the end is, like, who get, like, the... I don't know what your take is, but if I got 70, what is it? 71.4% of my fighters in there. That's a, that's a nice paycheck I, but, for you. But listen, I'm, I'm, hey, I make, I make, great, I make a you lot a of nice money. Suit. I made a lot of money everywhere. <laughs> Guess what? Guess what? But everybody with me make a lot of money. You said it earlier today. Yeah. I said, oh my guys, they, they, they're really happy. When the last it's time, true. When the last, 10 years, right? RDA is the only guy that left, right? He didn't really leave. His contract was up and him and Rafael Cordero got some going on and I got caught in the middle. Rafael is, is my friend. No, but I'm saying generally speaking, I, this is, this is true hand to god i've talked to a lot of your clients they are loyal to you this is a fact this and, and guys you know why because i care also it seems like you have good relationships with the promotions and that helps getting big fights of course because i like everybody you want to be an, an eagle like i don't agree to, with dana i fight with ray Safo constantly but he's my friend but on the gym i see him at five o'clock we cool right yeah he's probably harder to deal with than any other but somebody i'm just saying there's like for example you, do you know um What's his name? I forget. Uh, Holly Holmes' manager. Do you know him? I forget his name. Lenny something. He's got a super adversarial relationship with UFC. And that's traditional among managers, right? Is to like butt heads with the promotion because fundamentally they have different interests. There's this new thing happening where MMA promoters and managers kind of get along. And I don't know what to make of that. Listen, at the end of the day, if I have to bend over for my guy to get a fight or get more money or just like this and put my ego to the side, I will do it. Mm -hmm. If I'm going to go out there and trash Dana White and trash Scott Coker and trash Ray Suffolk, what is that going to do for my fighters, right? Mm -hmm. They, you know, like, I'm, like they have power over me. Why I cannot just be fair, I'll be firm, and I'll try to get the best deal for my fighters, the best fights. And listen, how many world champions I manage? A lot. A lot. Right? A lot. But I, didn't, but I made sure... They didn't get passed over. I made sure, because a lot of times, if I was a promoter, right? When I was a promoter, I'm gonna put a guy in a position to become a world champion, right? Because I'm gonna put him to fight for the title. Right. First of all, this guy is marketable. This guy's gonna do the right thing by me. He's a great fighter. Or he's gonna give me problems when he become a champion. Because a lot of guys to become a champion said, hold on now. <laughs> I'm the man now. Screw everybody and ruin it. And the promoter, this is one of the things they look at. To be honest with you, I think the UFC shot themselves in the foot by the ranking things. Because the rank before they used to the choose. The rankings? Yeah. Because yeah. now, if you're number one, 90, 95% you get a title shot. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, you know, you know, in all likelihood, yeah. In all likelihood. But right now, I like I said, I have many, many masters and I serve many masters, right? I will do whatever I can for my client to have a house, to have a car, to have health insurance. And I do. And being friends, with, of, and being friends with the promoter is the best way to get there. I don't have to be friends with nobody. Like if I, I'm not gonna be. Listen, like Dana White. I, I, I Dana White, somebody. I, you know, growing up, I kind of, I was so involved. I kind of, in a way, I was, a, I looked up to him, right? Like, you know. But did me and Dana get into it? Yes, a lot. But did anybody know about it? Never. Yeah. Do I respect him? Absolutely. Okay. You know what I'm saying, Ray. You know what I'm saying? Ray is, Ray is a different scenario. Listen, but I don't I don't treat people about their status. I treat people the way they treat me. You understand? Yeah. Ray, Verne Ray like Scott Coker, I have the most respect for him, right? Like, you know, uh, like I, I just kinda, I have this relationship with people. I know how to manage relationship, but I'm also a person, if you cross me, it will be bad because <laughs> I'm not gonna just shut up. 
You know what I'm saying? Like in buffet lines. You gotta stop yeah, that, Ali. Yeah, you gotta what? stop that. Yeah, listen, at the end of the day, you know, you're right. You know, you know, you're right. You got I, too much to lose. You got yeah, way too right. much listen, to lose. I, I get emotional sometimes, and sometimes I regret saying I do. And I'm just kinda, and I feel like sometimes I just get emotional, and I feel sometimes I. Uh, also, I just, don't you like Usman's chances over Covington? Ah, oh, man, this is, is. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you really think he's going to win, and there's a very good chance but, he will. But it's, it's not about that. It's just about certain things. Like, like MMA now, like, people talk so much shit. It's too much. And, and it's like, if you're going to talk shit, back it up. You know what I'm saying? Like, back it up. But in a way, like, you can't just talk shit and see me. We're all friends and all this kind of stuff. And I understand. I'm, I'm 41 years old. <laughs> I have children, and I represent a lot of clients. And I have, hey, listen, at the end of the day, did I would take my action back? Yes. Okay. If I would repeat myself, I think I was in the wrong in a way. I should not betray myself like that publicly. Let's talk, let's talk about some of your clients. Let's get to it. Habib, it looks like he's going to be fighting in September in Abu Dhabi against Poirier. Now, nothing's confirmed, but when do you think there might be some solidification of this we, plan? We're working on it. We're we going through a couple of things. I think it's going well. You know, it's just, uh, but, you know, the fight is not finalized yet. There'll be a good date for Khabib to come back. You know, Khabib, he gave me, like I said, he wants to fight September, December, and April. You know, this is the three date he gave me. I let the UFC know. Uh, Poirier is a great opponent. You know, you have a lot of lightweight fights coming up. You have Saronian Ferguson coming up. Uh, you have this guy, you have this guy, Connor, you know, but it's funny because if Connor fought, go out there and get a win, he might, he might overleap all these guys again. You think that's possible? Listen, at the end of the day, is a promotion, right? At the end of the day, he wanted a, 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 a rematch. We said no. Connor did. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So Khabib said, you guys officially said Khabib no. Said, no, Khabib said, he, he said it publicly yeah. and, you know. No, he's not getting a rematch. He got to go out there and just get a win. Has, he, has UFC indicated they want a rematch? Listen, at the end of the day, everybody knows that this is the biggest money fight you can make. The UFC is a company to make money. Connor got a rematch every time he lost, right? Yeah. And uh, outside Floyd. Right, right. Um, but in a way, like, you know, I don't think he deserve it, you know. Who do you think is a tougher fight, Poirier or McGregor? Poirier looked good against Max, man. Mm. Now, Max is not Habib. They have different fighting styles, but... Uh, Puri is a great fighter, is, you know, just, uh, but it's level to this. You know, I like Puri a lot as a person. I know him. I trained with him before. You notice there's never a bad headline about him? You know. He's like he's like a dad, and he trains, and he stays out of trouble. He's a, he's a, I, know like, him, I know him personally. Yeah. We, we stayed together for almost a month, trained a whole month. Yeah. Um, he's a great guy, but, you know, it's it's uh, he's, he's, he's a great opponent. He's dangerous. He have a lot of volumes. But, like, listen, 27 people tried. 20 people have failed. For the same, exactly. You're gonna get put on your back. You're gonna panic. You're gonna get outworked, and you're gonna, you, and you're probably gonna get finished. You right. know. Let I mean, me let me ask you one more about Habib because you got you got a million clients. He comes from a part of the world that I do not understand, and I put hand in the air. I don't make. I'm not a. I'm not an expert in any uh, capacity about Dagestan or what that part of the world is like, right? But uh, during Ramadan, he did sit down with Ramzan Kadyrov. Let me ask you this. What should the average MMA fan, in particular, like a gay MMA fan, Ramadan? Ra during Ramadan. During Ramadan. This month. Yep. When he, was it? Um, last week, he sat down and, and met with Ramzan Kadyrov. Now, again, I don't. It's a complicated scenario, and I acknowledge it's complicated. I do. Yes. I mean that sincerely. That's, I'm not trolling you. That's okay. But if you're like a gay MMA fan or an MMA fan generally, what? How, how should they view Habib in that light? Because. When Habib is here, he's Mr. Respect. He doesn't, again, the whole thing with McGregor, they get ugly with each other, but everybody else, he doesn't. But that's a weird, so that's that's an unfortunate association to have. It's, it's, it's a, listen, at the end of the day, uh, you know, if you go 
me Donald Trump, right? If Donald Trump said, you know, it's it's a different type of word, right? Certain things, if 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 Putin said he come here, you have to go there. So we have certain rights in this country. We can say everybody f off, whatever stuff like that. But certain part of this culture is about respect and is about you know uh, the elders and you know it's 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 a little bit. It's not only politics, but at the end of the day, like I don't know what Ramadan Kaldraf did about gay, not okay. gay. Well, human it's, rights it's, observers say that he has instituted listen, a gay purge in Chechnya. Listen, a, a human rights said, you know, uh, you, you know, that in Iraq, a lot of people who sexually abused. But you know, I don't believe. Listen, at the end of the day, I don't know. It's politics, right? And I know people mix politics with sports all the time, right? And I think. You know, Russia have sanctioned and the United States have sanctioned against Russia. I think we hear CNN, like it was in CNN. I don't, I don't believe, CNN. I don't, I, I, like people, the whole thing is they expose certain peoples, but what about us? I look at myself in the mirror. The way Habib treat people and the way I treat people. If somebody come to me, Toya and said, look is this and look is this and look is this, I don't care. And Khabib doesn't care. The way you treat me, the way he treat you, this is a relationship, right? If you don't disrespect me, don't. But this is where we come no, from. No, I understand. And Habib, every time I've interacted with him, been professional as can be. I'm just saying. Habib, one of the nicest, most 100%. loyal, most respectful uh, understand what, human being you ever meet. Understand what I'm asking. Yes. I'm not asking you if he's a bad person because yeah. I don't necessarily. I don't think yes. that. What I'm asking is, I don't have friends like that. Yes. So how do you explain that? But but the whole thing is like everybody said. Ramadan does this, Ramadan this, Ramadan this, right? At the end of the day, it's not our business what he does because we don't. It kind of is. But, but, but in a way, like, I don't know the guy. I never met the guy. You understand? He lives an hour from Khabib, right? If Khabib said, you know, he, like, I think he went there, somebody died, actually. Like, somebody's mother died. Okay. And, and Habib went to, to, uh, to Chechnya, right? You understand? And if a guy there, he's a president of a country, you're going to shake my hand or shake my father's hand? What I'm going to say, I'm not going to shake your hand and I'm in your country. I don't know. Like Can I said, you do that? Here's the thing. Even I, if you want, I, let me tell you something. I, I even if you want, you cannot. I, I acknowledge. In that part of the world, <laughs> it's totally different. But you understand? I get it. If, I, even if you want to shake somebody's hand, I bet you. I just don't find can. that. I just don't. I think it, if you're a fan that's watching this and you're a gay UFC fan, I just don't think that's a satisfying answer. But, but, but the whole thing is, I don't know what's his position. I don't know against gay, not gay. You never talked to him about it? Talk to who? Habib. I never, we don't talk about this kind of things. Like, <laughs> I'm just I, asking, I don't know, I don't know. No, I don't, but the whole thing is like, a lot of people say a lot of shit, right? Yeah. I don't know what this man in Chechnya think about gay, not gay, this is, but the whole thing is, this is, I don't I don't know nothing about it because I don't believe anything the media say. If I don't see it in my eye, I don't believe it, right? But at the end of the day, listen, if it's a smoke, it's a fire, you know? Yeah. It's, you know, and I'm, Everybody from the side of the world, right? If in Egypt and live Lebanon, some places okay to be this way, if it's not okay to be this way. I understand. And this is their culture, right? But at the end of the day, I'm gonna judge my action towards people. You never see Khabib when with a crazy statement talk about a woman or a gay or this. He never do that because at the end of the day, he mind his own business, he does his thing. Like he said, he's a very respectful guy, right? Yeah. But at the end of the day, if he's a leader of a, if you go to a country, if you go, if you go to Chechnya, right? For, and you have the president of Chechnya or president of- I understand, they put okay. pressure on you. I get it, I get it. Again, it's a comp, I acknowledge upfront, it's a complicated scenario. It's, it is. I just, I, I just, I'm, I'm trying to, I'm trying to think of like what MMA fans who might be in the United States okay. look at and they're like, that's, 
it's really not a, it's, it's kind of fucked but, up. Like it's a little but, bit, you know. But at the end of the day, I really don't know the deep doubt, the right, truth, right. to everything. And, and listen, I, I, I'm I'm okay. You bringing it up to talk about it. It's yeah. all right. There's yeah. no problem. It's your job. Uh, that, you know? Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. Let's talk about Kayla Harrison. Yeah. She got a. She didn't think it was a nice win. I thought it was a nice win. I'll I tell, agree with you. I'll tell you why. Getting three rounds against somebody who could put up some resistance is super valuable. The fight ends. She comes out crying. I get it. She's crazy competitive. How's she doing now? And please tell me, you told her, that was good for you in the long run. This is the first thing I, I, I told her. I, you know, you see me walking to after the cage. I said, listen to me. That's the best thing that ever happened to you. We got three-round experience. We know there's no question. We cannot go hard three rounds. Your gas tank is there. Your confidence is there. It's the best thing happened. Kayla, l- let me tell you something. We, t- we remember when Ronda Rousey was around, and Dana White said, Ronda Rousey will beat up guys, and, and this and this and that. I'm telling you, Kayla will beat some guys up. She, I trained with her, you know. She, I've seen her in person. She, she, she came she, to my studio. She's, she, she, she's she, no, but she, she's, she knows what she's doing, but her experience is everything in MMA. You have to have mad time, right? And I think that was the best thing that happened for her. I believe pound for pound, she would be the greatest woman we've ever seen uh, of all the time. Yeah. But she's grown. Listen. What, she, what was she so upset about? The fact that she didn't just demolish this person? Yeah, listen, she want to go out there and get six points. You know, she want to go to there and get an e-pone, like judo match. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like she still have the Olympic mentality. I'm going to go out there and, and get a quick e-pone and move on, right? Yeah. But it's a different sport. It's a different element. And I think it's going to make her stronger going three rounds. And I think her confidence is going to be high because she understands she going to be three, four, five rounds. Maybe in the final she's going to go five rounds, right? She always, you always question yourself when you go to a new sport. Judo is a five-minute match. I'm doing three, five minutes. Now, now we understand Kayla Henderson is not a front runner. She can go three rounds. Mm-hmm. She can go hard. Three, and she doesn't go three rounds. She can go hard three rounds. Right. Because she's she a little bit fight like Khabib, right? She doesn't stop. She's ground and pound. She tried to pass. She's trying to mount. She tried to take you back. You don't see Kayla Harrison holding you down, right? No. You don't. She's a... Uh, she got the it factor, man. A, a lot of people doesn't have it. A lot of people doesn't have it. She have, she have what it takes to be the greatest, and I think she'll be the greatest. You said something about Cody Garbrandt recently that I, I got to tell you I really appreciated. Yeah. UFC wanted him out of July. For folks who may not know, this happens with the UFC all the time. I know for a fact when they go to Milwaukee, they call up the Pettises because they're you know native to that area. For sure. And you advised against it. I think that's the right call. I didn't like the way he fought in his last fight, but he's very young and he's very skilled. What is the best path forward back for Cody Garbrandt? Listen, Cody Garbrandt probably one of the. By the way, sorry, just interrupt you. We had Uriah Faber on just a second ago. Mm-hmm. He made a point about um, Cody's health needs to get right first. I wonder if you could illuminate. Listen, at the end of the day, when you get knocked out like that, I, I don't think you should be fighting again. The UFC is doing their job. They're going to Sacramento. They offer Cody a main event spot, you know. And this is the right thing to do for the UFC, but it's our job to be like, you know what, guys? We're going to go back, you know. C- Cody's been having problems with his hand, especially getting knocked out like that. I think your brain needs a break. And I talked to him. I said, Cody, listen, that's the deal, you know. Listen, he's the kid is a born fighter. And I think, you know, he's one of the best pantom wit we've ever seen. Believe me, he is. But in a way, he's too much of a fighter. When you touch this kid, punch him, you know, he wants to come and kill you, right? He's too much of a fighter. And I think he needs to get himself right, physically, mentally. And I think we're going to see a lot of changes coming up, you know, the way he's going to fight, you know. And, I, and he's got to go back to the Dominic Cruz era. That's exactly so what I was going to say. Dude, he was so smart in when, that fight when, and when, patient. When he was having fun, when he was enjoying it, when he's embracing it, right? And, you know... And he, you know, he's, is he getting? Because uh, back then he adjusted buckles in his corner. Mm-hmm. It was like sort of like guiding the training, and yeah. 
you know, I don't know what to believe. Buckle says one thing about your team alpha male. Team alpha male says one thing about Buckles. Listen, a, I don't a, know what's I, what. I know, I know Buckles. Buckles was one of the best trainers they have. I'm, you know, they have Danny's amazing too. They have Chris, but Buckles, they're all great. They're all great kids, right? Listen, at the end of the day, I don't have nothing bad to say about Justin Buckles. And I think Cody have nothing to say bad about Justin Buckles. I think the only problem Cody have, Justin Buckles left for a month and he wanted to get, and he got a fight. And if he felt, you my coach, you should not fight when I'm fighting, right? But as a coach, just honest to God the truth, Justin Buckle, it was awesome for Cody. He did everything right by Cody. Cody loved him as a coach. This is what I seen, because I see, you know, I have nothing to say bad about Justin Buckle. And I think, but Justin a little bit after, we a little bit crazy, and we're all crazy, right? You know, Cody just wanted to be there, not fighting, and be with him. He left for a month, but it's okay. It's his passion. You know, he wants maybe to fight, right? But I have nothing to say bad about Justin Buckle. I think he's a great coach. So is it, can Cody get back to championship level while staying at Team Alpha Male? You know, listen, at the end of the day, I never told fighters where to go to train or not to train because I don't think it's, it's cool to take a fighter from that team. But, you know, Cody, you know, something I have to kind of... I think Danny Castillo is a great coach. I think Chris Holdworth is a great coach. You know, Uriah is not his coach. Uriah, you might see Uriah fighting, but I don't know. I don't know, you know. Okay. He's the gym manager. Right, right. You know, but at the end of the day, this is up to Cody because he understands who can bring what to the table. But the Cody, Cody what he needs right now, somebody to say, hey, Shut up, move on, you need to do this and do this and do this and do this, right? And I think it's more mental for Cody than anything else. That skill level. Cody have unbelievable jujitsu. He probably want he have unbelievable grappling, unbelievable wrestling. You just never see but, it. But we don't see it, right? But in a way, listen, you will see Cody come again. But he's gonna come right. And I told him, I'm now I will not allow you to fight. And he Cody respect me enough to listen to me, believe me. He will, I, will have I think it's the right call. I'm going to make sure your hand is good, your head is good, yeah. and you have 10 weeks of hard training camp healthy. The issue the issue for Cody was, look, it's the UFC. If you win, you win. If you lose, you lose. They love him. Right. But my point being is, it's look, you're fighting tough guys all the time. For sure. I don't mind that fighters win and lose. What I minded was somebody who is championship caliber clearly fighting below themselves. You know what I mean? Correct. Like when he just said, I'm going to go and ah. You're right. It's like. He's an eagle. Dude. He's, he's eagle. He got punched by a guy. He's like, fuck that. I'm yeah. going to, excuse my language. It's all right. It's Ramadan. Uh, <laughs> he's, 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 uh, he said, no, I'm going to get you. You know, you, you hit me, I'm going to get you. And the whole thing is, listen, the UFC loves Cody. I hope all my fighter loved by the UFC like they love Cody. They really think so highly of him. They really want to put him in position, but it's my job now. So listen, let's, let's move back a little bit. Let's build on this, right? You know, he could have fought Aljamain Sterling, uh, but, you know, he thought Munoz is, it's, 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 you know, I think Aljamain is less than just fight. I think Munoz, he just wants to be in these fights. And it's, I'm going to step in my foot a little bit about who he fights, who he's not going to fight. And I think the UFC on the same page. You know, they want him to see him come back, and he will come back when it's time for him to come back and he's healthy. Let me have an area of disagreement with you with uh, the 125, 135-pound belt, okay? Uh -huh. So you know this. If you read anything I write, I'm a big believer in Marlon Moraes. I think that dude is crazy talented. <laughs> so no matter what, I mean, I'm dead serious. Correct. There was no way you were going to make a 135-pound fight without him, in my judgment. Like, that was the easy— Once Dillashaw you, got stripped— You can't. Or whatever, you, you gave can't. it up. You can't. There's no way. It's not possible. No. But then it was a question of who you put in there. Uh -huh. Now, I recognize putting the 125-pound guy in there is a bigger fight, belt, belt, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I hate that fight, Ali. I hate it. I like Henry. 
and I really have tremendous respect for Marlon. I'm glad he's getting a title opportunity. Yes. Should go to the next 135 contender. Listen, you have a point. You know, listen, you have a point because, you know. Is the uh, UFC doing it because it's belt belt, like champ champ? No, I, I think that, that, was, that was the UFC. They promised Henry. He, you beat him. You're gonna go up to 35, and and one but was, more. But it was. But, but don't show once you got. But that that was part of the deal, though. That was part of the deal. Like this is why I said when people said, "Oh, you kiss Dana White's ass." I was like, "I don't kiss nobody's ass." That was part of the deal. I said, "We'll fight TJ for the 130, 125." But that was part of the agreement. It was a verbal agreement. All right. And and I said, when these guys give me a verbal agreement, they don't go back at it. You know what I'm saying? And by the way, I'm not even saying it's a bad fight. It might be a great fight. No, but and I said that was the agreement. Who let? Because the question is. We wanted to fight TJ at 35. He said, no, I want to fight on 25. I said, no problem. Pay, pay me this much money. Come down. If I beat you, you have to guarantee me a title shot at 135. And that was part of the deal. The money was different. Structure different. Everything was different. And Henry, is just the UFC did that because they promised something. And he went out there and knocked TJ out, a guy who was roided out, right? He went there and knocked him out. Now, how are you going to tell Henry I'm not going to give you a title shot? You can't because you promised him, you know. Hey, look, if they made that promise, I don't know what to say. For sure, but yeah. listen, at the end of the day, did the next guy like I deserve it? Like I think, what's his name, Pujo Munoz? If he wins, I think he deserves the next title shot, hundred okay. percent. Well, yeah, that's fine. You know, uh, let's move along here very quickly. What is your opinion of MMA media, present company not included? Uh, I, I think MMA media is getting better. You know, I think is MMA getting better. Uh, I think. Uh, but I, I think, like, listen, I think MMA media, like, it can be very dangerous because they instigate a lot of shit, too, you know? And the whole thing is, with this Kobe thing, is, you know, one reporter, he instigated some stuff, and have Kobe, Kobe said things about me uh, publicly, right? But he instigated it, and he know he compared me to Dan Lambert and all this kind of stuff. And Kobe, of course, he has something, he's going to run his mouth and say something, and he put him in a fire line with me. You understand? Because, yeah. and in a way, like, we can promote. But it's not the media. Like, if you throw punches, it's not the media's fault. Like, Correct. you chose to do that. 100%. But certain things, like, if you're going to call me a fag or, or, or this. Or, or terrorist, uh, blah, 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 whatever. Yeah, listen, for, listen, you can call me. The only thing I'm going to do on Tatterizing when I see you, if you're going to call me that. You can call me that. It's, it's okay. People call me that for years. It's all good. Keep calling me. At the end of the day, like you said, all I, my fighters love me. I do my job well. Let me ask a favor on behalf of MMA Media. Yes. All right. And I'm being, I'm coming to you in good faith here. Yes. You have been open about this practice because I heard it on a podcast you did. If if MMA Media criticize you, you won't let them talk to your fighters. True or false? It's true. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, part of it, yeah. Not me. Not criticize me. Yeah. Personally, like no. if someone's like, oh, Ali is no, not, not a good me. manager. Not, if, if, no, that's not true at all. If, if they criticize, like for example, if you're going to go out there and criticize Frankie, yeah, you can't Frankie, talk to Frankie. I understand that. I'm, I will put a dead bolt on you. You're not someone, talk So you're saying on the record, if someone says something about you, and not like I'm not calling like the terrorist snitch thing. I'm saying um, if they say something like, "Hey, I don't think Ali is a great manager," you you no, will still uh, facilitate no, interviews. No, not 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 about great. No, not if you, if you don't think I'm a good manager, it's fine. Okay, so how but, is that? But, in, hold on, how is that in your client's interest? Let me tell you something. We have a rules in dominance MMA, right? Yeah, it's your company. Everybody know this, right? We don't really talk to shit to each other. Marlon and Henry think they fight for a title. You don't really see Dominus and fighters talking shit to each other online. In fact, there's a lot of solidarity. It's, Kamaru it's, and uh, Habib get along. Yes, yeah, it's a lot. It's, it's Everybody at my house, I have 30, 40 people having dinner, right? But 
everybody know we have a code. If you're gonna talk shit about one guy, everybody gonna stick together. Okay, but that's not in your client's interest. It's not, Ali. It's not if somebody makes, if someone makes a good faith criticism. I'm not talking about hating. Well, no, I'm well, not talking about sabotage. I'm talking about- If a, you're gonna go, okay, it's, you're right. Because the if, media, dude, the media's got a job to do. We have no, to tell the but, truth. But, but you have to tell the truth. If you say something and it's truthful, I'm okay with it. But if you're gonna go out there and trash trash me on Twitter or talk shit to me on Twitter, and you think different. you're a promoter, that's different. you know that's what different. I'm talking about, yeah. right? You, you think you're gonna talk to me this way? Of course. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna get you. I'm just asking you to reconsider the position about between what constitutes unfair hating and what constitutes legitimate criticism. Agreed. And the ones who do legitimate criticism, they should have access to your fighters, Ali. Okay. I, I, it's in their interest. It's in their interest. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Like, okay, like I'll tell you something. Today, yeah. I, I, I don't have anybody go on this ESPN show. They have it every Monday. Yeah. But I got called today. I said, can we get Chris Wade on there, right? Yeah. And I don't talk to this Chris person. Weidman. Chris Wade. Wait. Chris Wade in PFL. Yeah. yeah. They have him on another MMA show on ESPN, right? You let him go. I say, you know what? That's good. Go ahead. I did it today. Yes. And but I but you know, you're not gonna see me going on there. That's fine. Look. You know, you're look, not gonna see me going on there. But look, I'm not saying in every I'm not saying every media request has to be accommodated. No, for I'm sure. just saying as a general rule. And listen, I, John, everyone, I, love, everyone I love John Morgan, right? Everyone in MMA but is I, too uptight. I love John tight. I love John Morgan, but I have some beef with him. And after that, one week I stopped talking to these guys, right? Yeah. One week later, we all met. We had beef before, but we, 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 we worked it beef, out. But at the end of the day, we, we talk about it. At the end of the day, listen, I'm an emotional. I go from <laughs> zero to 100. Nah. I, I, I am, I am, I am. I like, I'm very calm now because it's Ramadan. I have to have spiritual uh, personality a little bit. And in a way, like I am, I take stuff to the heart. I take stuff personal. And especially when you talk about my fighters, believe me, when you talk about me, it depends how far you're gonna go. Like with you're you. super bitter at our own Guillermo Cruz, dude. Guillermo Cruz is the nicest guy. What could he have possibly said that was so bad, bro? Like I, I, when I when I was work was Rafael dos Anjos, right? Yeah. I'm gonna tell you, he did it when Rafael dos Anjos was fighting for the title, right? He wrote, he tries to write a story about a guy beat him and now he's a cop, right? Yeah. And I was like, if you're fighting for a world title. How are we gonna write a story about a guy beat me who become a police officer? And I think that was so, just, you know, he did a couple things. Like one of the things too, you respect me. When you need to talk to some of my guys, you talk with me. And I love that about you, right? And I really appreciate that, right? And this is the way I run my, like in the way we talk about the UFC, I don't want Dana White to go talk to my guys, and he can. But in a way, if you're gonna go behind my back, behind my back, why you need a manager for? The fighter said, I don't freaking need you. And I think this individual we talked about, he always tried to cut corner. And I think it's a Brazilian thing. Just be straight up. And it's, you know, it's, it's the being a professional, you know? But I never met the guy. I have no ill will against him. I really don't. And that's the thing that really got me ticked off of him. And I think it was kind of, like a guy fighting for a world title, are you gonna write an article about somebody just beat him and become a police officer? I think it's it was- It's news. Good. Listen, it's clickbait. It's news. How good is Rafael Dosanio? He's amazing. He's, he's amazing, right? He's amazing. You say how good he is. But the story is not just how good he is. That's part of the story. Yes. There's he, another story. Correct. But listen, like I said. You're, I get it. You're not, you're not like. A, a manager not supposed to do I understand. Like, I understand. I understand. Like, I understand. But I shared Matt with these guys. I swapped with the guys. I understand. I have I'm just saying on behalf of MMA media, no, I'm trying listen, to get them a better I, listen, deal. Without the media, we will not be here. I appreciate everything the media do. I really, truly do. And I, I like a lot of the MMA media. Some of them, I really don't like too much, and some of them I really like. Some of them, but you see me, when you see me, I go give, shake your hand, I shake everybody's hand. Yeah. I never think I'm bigger than anybody, but listen, at the end of the day, 
I'm always going to be me. Right. Sometimes I'm going to be mad at you for one week. <laughs> the sixth week, we're going to be okay. And it's yeah. just okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, last question before you go. You, two ones. You're going to be at PFL on Thursday, correct? Yes. All right. You're going to be ringside. I see you ringside every listen, time. Listen, at the end of the day, I don't like going to fights. I really don't. But I I don't like, like going to UFC fight and big event. I hate it. But yeah. the only show in business I like to go and watch is PFL. PFL. Yeah. You have to understand, man, I invest a lot of my time and my life in this thing. And right? you got a lot of fighters and there. And I saw, forget about the fighters, I become such a super fan watching this this thing. You know, and it's a, PFL is such a great, they, they, it's great environment, it's a family environment, they treat guys good, it's, it's, it's not like politics and security walking, I'm just sitting, I don't move from my seat. I don't go to the back. I don't do nothing. Right. I just enjoy. We got Rashad on the line, so we got to go. Last one. And I want to, again, I hope you understand I'm doing all this in good faith. I am not. For sure. Okay. So I know there's been an adversarial journalist who's going after you a little bit, uh, Mike Russell. I have tried to follow his work. Um, I've had some difficulty trying to follow. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm not trying to be a joke. I've had, he, I think, is doing his best. I, I uh, And I've talked to him personally. I don't know what the truth is. But I looked up something. There is a, what's the name of the website here? Um, Fukra Files. There's some story about your background. Now, I looked it up. I don't understand that either. I don't understand. I don't understand either. <laughs> but here's my point. There's clearly something here. Yes. Why not just acknowledge it, answer for it. You clearly have built something amazing for yourself. Yes. And then just move on rather than saying all of it is just made up. I don't I don't know what the truth is. And I, I, I'll be honest. Yes. But there appears to be something here. But look at you now. Look, at you, you're a winner. So why not just acknowledge it? And then we, we can all be done with it. First of all. Uh, like you know what I am. Uh, I did whatever I did today by hard work and dedication, and really hard work, right? And a lot of people attack me all the time. You know what? It used to bother me so much, right? And it used to annoy me so much, right? And I used to check people's twitters and things like that. I can give a flying what what everybody say, right? If you know, listen, I'm like. If you don't answer for it, the questions I, I, will persist. I, I, will, I will answer. I will answer stuff all like made up and all craziness. So you're saying it's all for made what? up? Brother, it's in several books. It's in Enemies Within. It's in this Brother, website. Let people write books. At the end of the day, you see me get. Why? I, can I write my own book one day? Yes, you can. Can I write my own book you one day? You absolutely can. But whatever people say, at the end of the day, it's 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 foolishness, right? Right? Well, I'm I'm a licensed manager in every, almost every state in this country, right? You know what I'm saying? Like these, they do like background checks, they do this kind of stuff, right? Why I gotta acknowledge nonsense? Why I gotta acknowledge people? This person you talk about, who's an MMA manager? We have like like it's, Michael it's, Russell's not an MMA manager. Oh, 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 he was. Is he? Oh yeah, he was. You have proof? Oh, 100 percent. I was in it to you. But right. I, I'm not gonna listen. At the end of the day, he does whatever he wants. It's it's. I have no. Uh, uh, I used to like. I wanna do this to this guy. I have no ill will against nobody. Him, these people writing stuff. This like at the end of the day. Listen, I got I got something good. I'm very grateful for what I have done. It's only gonna get bigger, right? You, you know. At the end of the day, I have a conflict with World Series of Fighting, right? I was a matchmaker and a manager, and I was. I never denied it. Yeah. Right? How many matchmaker and a manager you have right now? It's, a, it's illegal. No, but how many you have in a sport? Well, you had, um, what's his face uh, over at LFA, but he had to split up too. Bro, he's still a manager. Uh, at, at source. He's at still source. a manager. One FC, this guy's not a manager? Like, come on, like, yeah. people doing it. But guess what? Everybody want to come with this little Egyptian guy. You know what I'm saying? I'm not petty this, myself. We started with but, the interview here because you're up here. But guess what? But that's, that's Whatever the I do, I'm gonna be, I, I want to be the best, right? All right? But at the end of the day, if you come 
what's what's a good manager? What's the standard for manager? Guys doesn't steal from his fighters, right? Guys doesn't get be, be good deals, right? Guys doesn't manipulate his fighters and steal their monies. I made sure all my young fighters, Justin Gish, I said, hey, don't fucking pay me. This, like, go get a house, right? Like it's, every guy I manage, young guys have a house. You told me one manager pushes guys to get, get houses. I, look, I've said it a Kevin Gaston right now. I said, don't, it, I said it a million times in this interview. I know your clients. They love you. This right. is a fact. And that's I'm all just saying, but, but Ali, there's this stuff out there, and I don't think it's all made up, man. Believe me. Believe me. I don't know what's up because it's a complicated story, it's, but it's, I don't know what to do. Guess truth. what? Let him, let him bark. Let him bark. Let him talk. Okay. But for media who talk about it, there should not be retribution because it's confusing but and it's if, out but, here, dude. But in a way, if you come to me, if if some if somebody choose a book and write write about me, right? You know, a lot of this stuff people writing like it's crazy, like 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 what Connor said, right? He said I have. There's like, no truth to what he said. <laughs> like it's crazy. There's no truth to what he said. Zero. Okay. Zero. You have to understand, man. Like if you have five passports, trial on nine one one, right? Like I should be in Guantanamo Bay, or like, I should be like. How, like I said, I've tried to country? follow the story. I've tried to fi follow the work. I, I, and my, I, my man, listen to me. Listen, you serve in the United States Marine, right? I did, yes. Yeah, you know, like, I have a lot of respect for you doing this, right? Listen, a lot of things in life you're gonna do, and you're not gonna talk about, and a lot of things in life you're gonna do, and you're gonna be embarrassed about to talk about, right? Yep. I told you, I have nothing. I have, have never done anything to be embarrassed to talk about. I had I I try to I'm not perfect. I made a mistake growing up. You know, yep. but I never hurt anybody, killed anybody, like robbed anybody, did a lot of bad things, right? But I I'm here because I'm living my American dream and I earned every bit of it on the way. Let me let me let me end on this because Rashad's on hold. We gotta go to him because he's in the Hall of Fame now. Yes. A lot of people don't want to do tough interviews in MMA. And you did one today. That's fine. Like they I love don't, it. they don't come. They don't answer. No. Everyone hides. I know it's happening. I know it's coming. So I, I appreciate coming. you coming in here and um, and giving me your side of the story. It's my pleasure. It's my pleasure. All right, I got to get to Rashad. I'm like 15 minutes past. That's okay. They will, or my man Joe will see you out here. You got Thank it. you, Ali. Thank see you on the road. Okay. Okay. All right. Let's go to him now. We are so past the time. I am so sorry. I shouldn't do that to a Hall of Famer. I hope he's still there. I hope he's not too mad at me. Danny, is he ready to go? Yes. No. All right, uh, we have him on the line now. Rashad Evans is here. Hi, Rashad. Hey, what's up? What's up? That was an intense interview. I was, yeah. <laughs> I was listening up. Rashad, I'm so sorry to keep you waiting. I should not keep royalty <laughs> like you waiting like that. So I want to start this interview by saying I am terribly sorry, and I really appreciate your patience with me. Uh, no, no problem at all. No problem at all. I was uh, patiently listening. All right. Well, first of all, congratulations, man. You must feel like a million dollars for a couple of reasons. One, you got in the Hall of Fame. Two, I saw on Facebook you got to surprise your mom. Which one's cooler? Oh man, they they both were they both was cool. Anytime you can surprise mom, it, it's always cool because she always like Richard. I didn't even know you was coming. You know, she always getting loud, so it, it's always good to give her the surprise. But uh, the surprise on Saturday, man, that that right there. That that caught me off guard, you know. It was um, it was something that, you know, I you know because I, I know what I've done, and I know you know I, I think that okay that warrants you know uh, a bit of a bit of recognition. But I, you never you never I never foreseen myself feeling the way that I did once I got that recognition, you know. And it was you know hearing the fi the fighters speak and hearing you know you know how you may have impacted them. And just knowing the impact that I had just through my efforts was for me was like that point where I was I was trying to make it through the video without busting out crying.
Well, all right. Um, first of all, congratulations for getting into the Hall of Fame. It's got to be the biggest honor. Uh, first of all, like, how do you feel about it? And, and I mean it in this sense. Um, did you feel like you were a shoe in for it? You must have felt like you were a, a decent candidate. Yeah, I felt like I was a decent candidate, but you know, I've um, you know, I, I don't know the process of it because you know it, it's still you know fairly fairly new. You know, we're still fairly you know, getting our hall of fame inductee, you know, induction underway. And, and it's not, you know, it's not set in stone. There's no criteria, you know, so you never know if that criteria, you make the criteria. So, um, you know, I, I hoped I would, but, uh, you just never know. And, and when, when they, when they brought me on the floor, because the way they did it was so smooth. They, they were like, uh, you know, it, it wasn't a lot of people there in Rochester on the floor. So they're like, Hey, in between fights before the main card really starts, we want you and Kamaru to go on the floor just to, you know, say hi to people and, and be a presence on there. And they were teasing us, yeah, you guys are the celebs, you know, and they were giving us a hard time about it, and we were laughing. So I didn't think anything of it. So I go downstairs, and I'm sitting there, and then I see my nephew and one of my uh, one of my good friends, uh, Kenny, he, he, they're sitting right there, and I'm just like, wow, that's, they gave me some great seats. And then uh, when the video started, like Brendan was talking, I wasn't really paying attention. And then the video started, the producer came down and said, hey, put your phone down. And I look up and I'm like, oh man, they really went all out for me and Kamaru because they put a whole video together. So I'm watching this video. I'm like, man, there's no Kamaru. I'm like, hold on, this is, this is only me. And then it started to like, you know, come to my mind, like what this could be. And then I just got wrapped up in the emotion of it. You know, it was, it was incredible. Did you cry? Oh yeah, yeah. I, I almost, <laughs> almost one of those cries where it was just boohoo sobbing, like, "Ooh, we shouldn't make him cry ever again on TV." <laughs> what did you make of their montage? I thought it was beautiful. Oh my goodness, it, it was it was amazing. It was amazing, and I thought it was particularly well because you know it didn't just only touch on you know who I was as a as as a fighter and what I done as a fighter. You know, it talked about you know what, what I do and how much I care about you know, the athletes that I come across and, and how much I try to, you know, be that person for, for some of these athletes to achieve their dreams. And, and, and for me, that was, that was important to be, uh, to be recognized because out of everything I've done, I think that's one of the most, the, the things that I'm most proud of the fact that I can look and be like, you know what, that guy right there, uh, I helped him when, you know, you know, he didn't have too much and, and, and he just had a dream. All right, so let's talk about your career a little bit. Now, the ending of all these careers, unless you're George St. Pierre, is pretty goddamn hard. But you've had some time to reflect on it. You've been working the ESPN desk. You're doing a great job, of course, before that, Fox Sports 1 as well. Um, looking back on your career, you must have deep satisfaction about it. I want to ask about things that didn't happen. But in seeing the montage and in now reflecting, how satisfied are you? I'm really satisfied. You know, um, you know, I, I couldn't, uh, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't be happier to be honest, you know, even though it didn't end the way that I wanted it to, it ended the way that it needed to. And, um, you know, that's one thing I had to reflect on and, and just accept on, you know, accept, uh, just, just moving forward in life. But, you know, there's a lot to be proud of in, in the career that I had and, uh, you know, watching that montage, you know, it, it was like, you know, I forgot the emotion behind some of the things that, that I've accomplished too, because, you know, I, I haven't put myself in a position to, to have perspective and uh, being able to have that perspective on Saturday, just kind of see that was just, was just uh, an emotional thing. The highest highs, give me some of them. The highest highs, uh, you know, no secret, you know, not my biggest knockouts, you know, uh, you know, stepping on the scene and that big knockout with Sean Salmon, 
at the uh, at Hollywood, Florida. And then, uh, you know, the, the big night with, with Chuck Liddell that, that changed my life. Uh, you know, that one was a big one, just not only for the results, but just going into that fight. Um, mentally speaking, I, I felt as uh, I answered the call and I, and, I, and I felt as that was me stepping into what I like to call my mastery, you know, and that's that level where I start stepping into the skill level that I know that I'm good at and mastering what, what I can do. And, uh, you know, it, it was an important time for me, but that, that was, that was a, that was a great high. Is there any kind of like low key high? I mean, you know, you know, beating Forrest Griffin, getting the belt, um, winning the ultimate fighter, that's gotta be pretty big. Is there anyone that's like a little bit of an under the radar high that was meant a lot to you personally, but that maybe wouldn't necessarily occur to the rest of us? Um, you know, you know, for, for me, uh, let me think here. Let me think was, was a big one for me. Uh, beating Tito the second time. Tito, that, that was, that was, that was a good one for me. That was a good one for me. But you know, um, for me, a, a big one was, uh, when, when I, when I beat Phil Davis and in, in the way that I was able to, uh, dominate him in a wrestling, that was, that was for me a feather in my cap. Cause he was a division one national champion. And, and, you know, before that fight we talked about, he talked about how much of a better wrestler he was for me than, than me. So, uh, that, that one was like, that felt, that felt good to go out there and show him that, nah, you, you weren't, you just lucky I wasn't in your weight class, but I mean, not, not <laughs> even to say that, not even to say that Phil wasn't, wouldn't have beat me in college. It just feels good to say that, you know, cause we fought. <laughs> Uh, all right. Fair enough. Now, some of the lowest lows, I mean, these seems pretty obvious. I don't want to dwell on them, but just as a matter of articulation, because the career encapsulates both. Yeah. It, was there any one moment in your career that um, I mean, I'm assuming more towards the end, probably that you just really hated more than the other? Yeah. You know, uh, you know, when I when I lost to Dan Kelly, that was a moment for me where I was just like, dude, what is going on? You know, not not because I didn't, you know, uh, you know, Dan Kelly's a hard nosed fighter, but. You know, I, I just feel like my skill level where I can fight it is, is a lot higher, and I did not exhibit that. But, you know, it, it, it was kind of sad for me just because, you know, towards the end of my career, you know, my desire to want to compete, that 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 flame, that, that same, you know, that burning desire to have me not afraid to compete against guys who were six foot seven, six foot eight, and I weighed me by 30, 40 pounds. You know, that that dog that was there, it kind of just, it changed and it changed because, you know, my life changed and, and, you know, dealing with the things that I had happened in my life, you know, while I was in my career, you know, all those things change you as a fighter. And, and then, you know, towards the end, you know, the, the piece of me that made me fight the, the, the dog in me, that, that piece that um, I was trying to heal, it got healed up a bit. You know, and and um, and life and life wasn't the same mentally speaking for me. So competing for me was a lot harder and in a different capacity. You know, so that was an adjustment that I had to to make. But coming to peace and coming to understand the fact that I don't need to fight in order to, you know, or, or I can I can still be able to be me without fighting and be able to come to the, come to peace with being able to stop fighting that was a process, but it was, it was a process and it was something that I'm glad that I decided to stop, you know, that, that I decided to do. 
You know, it's so funny. We're living in a world where Rory McDonald talks about his sort of new spiritual relationship and how that has kind of changed his perspective on whether or not he has the constitution to hurt a man. You heard Rose Namajunas sort of dealing with something a little bit different, but similar in the sense that, um, you know, they had a certain kind of attitude about what they were trying to find at MMA. And then when they heal more as people, it goes away. It sounds like that's a lot of the reasons why fighters kind of move on for what you're telling me. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, um, you know, that, that's where, that's where I was at because, you know, there's, there's a mentality to fighting that, um, you know, a certain, you, you can't have a yielding personality at in order to endure, you know, there, there's just, uh, just a cantankerous, you know, mindset that you, you almost need to have in order, at least for me, in order for me to be able to be the, the person that I need to be in a cage. And you know, when, um, you know, I started to heal outside of the cage because for me, I was always using fighting as a way for me to, uh, to, to, I guess, you know, for therapy for better sense of a word, you know, but when I got injured for those two years, I was off, you know, that, that was over. And, you know, I was, and then I started drinking a lot and, you know, started, you know, doing all kinds of, you know, different kind of substances and stuff like that. But then at the end of the day, it just wasn't, it just took me further away from, from where, from where I was or where I wanted to be. And it wasn't until I started to face myself and face the reason why I even started to fight in the first place. That's when the healing came in. That's yeah. when, you know, the, the dog in me started to, to be tamed and started to, I guess, relent and, and, and wanting to have fighting be the expression that it uses to, to, to uh, feel, feel good. Uh, everyone is going to have their own perspective on this, but I wonder what yours is. What do you think your legacy is? I don't know. You know, that, that's, that's a real, uh, that's a real tough question, you know, because, you know, like I, I still haven't had that perspective, you know, but, you know, um, I, I hope is one that that's about giving, you know, because, because more than anything, you know, I want, I want to be, you know, yeah, I was tough. Yeah. You know, I, I did my thing when I didn't do my thing, but at the end of the day, I think a life is truly measured by how it impacts others. And I want to be able to uh, be able to be one that impacts a lot of people. You know, this is a weird question coming from a white guy, but it's just an obvious thing. If you watch Dana White's Tuesday Night Contender Series, there's just a lot more African-American fighters than there used to be. Now, you've never been one of these guys who's been sort of an outspoken, um, uh, you know, really public-facing advocate for, you know, um, diversification in the UFC in terms of their talent roster. But nevertheless, you serve as a shining example of what is possible. I wonder how you feel about the changing demographics in terms of who's fighting inside MMA. Well, you know, I, I knew, I knew, you know, eventually it, it would happen. And and, that, and that's part of the reason why, you know, my, my team was the way it was once I left Jackson's, you know what I'm saying? So, you know, I, I understood, I understood that. And I understood there, there is a lot, you know, a lot of athletes, uh, a lot of black athletes who, who may not, um, you know, be, be uh, getting the best training or whatever the case may be, or even know, you know, where to get the best training. So, you know, um, I was able to attract a lot, a lot my way too, but I think that in general, I think, I think it's great for the sport in, in totality, you know what I'm saying? Because, uh, you know, you, you, bring in, you bring in, you bring in another, you know, style of athlete style of, uh, of body type or whatever the case may be. But, and also it brings, you know, um, it brings us all closer together. See, cause the more we can start breaking down these, 
you know, these differences of why you're different than why I'm different, the more we can just kind of get to, to the underlying reality of it all. And, and, and we're all people and we share one thing that we all can never divorce from, which is, con- which is consciousness. And that's all there is in life is consciousness. Everything else is, is, is an illusion. There's only consciousness and can we I, all share that. Go on. Sorry. I was going to say, can I give you my two favorite Rashad Evans moments? Yeah, go ahead. Number one, when you, I was there in Atlanta, uh, when you fought John Jones, you walked out to immortal technique. That was one. That was a big one. Uh, and then I don't know if it made the highlight. I cannot remember the one they played for you when they uh, announced you were going to be in the Hall of Fame. It's when you did the uh, Red Fox heart attack uh, thing after yeah, knocking out Chuck Liddell. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, uh, well, you said immortal technique, right? That's that's immortal technique. Um, that was the one I knocked out Chuck Liddell. But the one, uh, which way they plant the, um, was it? Oh, yes, it was... Uh, point of um, no return, something like that? Yes, yes, point of no return, point of no yeah. return. Those are two no of my favorite. You just had, you were just, you know, just full of swag. And then after knocking out Chuck Liddell in Atlanta, the crowd was so quiet and you were so, you know, I told you so yeah. was just written all over your body. You know what I mean? I went over to, to, to uh, check on him, but he was he was still laying down. And he was looking bad, so they didn't want any camera over there. So he pushed me away, and I didn't know what to do. So I was like, hey, God, I shocked you. <laughs> I'm coming to join you. It's a big one, Elizabeth. <laughs> well, if I may, Rashad, I, I have to uh, – we got to close the show here. But I just want to say one thing that I really took away from your career was – the mentorship is one, as you noticed, obviously you were a high achiever, um, you know, fighting out of your weight class at certain, well, many times, of course. Um, but the thing I took from it was just consistent professionalism, man. You were always trying to do right by the game, always trying to do right by yourself. Maybe you feel like that's not true, but from the outside looking in, whenever I saw Rashad Evans on a card, I knew I was going to get a well-prepared fighter. I knew I was going to get a guy who was honest with the media. I knew I was going to get a guy who cared about his teammates and who just understood what the ingredients of success were. And you rolled the dice and more often than not, it came up for you. So for me, when I think about Rashad, Evans, I just think about consummate high level elite pro. Man, that right there, that, that you almost brought tears to my eyes, man. I appreciate every word you said, man. That that right there, I mean, I can't, I can't, I don't have anything else to say, man. I'm very humbled by your words. Thank you. Well, you're you're a great one, Rashad. Um, I look forward to the ceremony in Las Vegas when they formally have it. And um, enjoy upstate New York if you're still there. Yes, sir. I'll talk to you soon. <laughs> All right, we got to go. Thank you so much, Rashad. All right, very quickly, because time is of the uh, essence. Um, please put Danny up on the screen here. I, I have to apologize to the audience because two hours is simply not enough. Uh, Danny, come up on the screen here if you can. Please, porfa. Danny, I have bad news. Yeah, it was good. There is Drop them. No, there is no time for um, the sound off today. Yeah. I, can't, I literally cannot do it. All good, man. Great interview with Ali, by the way. That was, that was good stuff. All right, so here's what we're going to do. Next week, I'm going to come up early. All right. And what we're going to do is we'll work it out with studio or we'll figure it out because I know next week's a little bit bit weird with Memorial Day. But one way or the other. Right. uh, Just a quick reminder. We're having a show on Tuesday. Tuesday next week. Yeah. Whatever the case. I'm going to come up early and I'm going to record a whole session of sound off from this week 
as well as whatever happens for the following week, okay? We're going to cool. get a double dose of the sound off. I ju- I, I'm literally already late. I've got to get going. Dude, yeah, no, don't worry about it. All good. All right, so keep those calls coming. 844-866-2468. Keep sending those tweets using the hashtag, the MMA Hour. There's Danny. I'm Luke. Until next time, stay frosty.